got Bruce Schoenfeld in the house. Okay. Man, I'm so I'm so excited. Uh, you know, 25 year body worker. You know, I mean, advanced. You know, like guru. I mean, fascia expert, filmmaker. You have a movie called uh, The Secret Life of Fascia that I watched at your and Jan's uh, um, workshop. You know, at the beginning. You know, the 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 the, cut, the first cut, I guess, right? The rough cut, mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed. It had a lot of athletic things in there, athletics, and you know why why it's important. And then I wa watched the the new version as well with all these like experts from around the world guys that I'm like just uh, kind of obsessed with right like all these all these guys around the world and just to have you on the show is like I'm so excited thank you so much for coming my pleasure <laughs> I'm the one who feels honored to be here so man uh, you know I talk about this stuff to everybody like all the anybody that trains jiu-jitsu with me if they spend enough time with me we go into the office and I show them Gumberto's book I show them, uh, you know, the Nami trains, the Thomas Myers, uh, the charts, you know, the 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 you know the fascia, the what do you call it, the the lines, um, and um, yeah, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for coming. Again. My pleasure, <laughs> my pleasure. It's great to know you and uh, to be here. Yeah. So, what is fascia? What is fascia? Well, fascia is uh, the connective tissue that inhabits our bodies. Uh, it's the white fiber varietal that has a lot of different names, tendons and ligaments, the most common. And then there's aponeuroses. So ligaments and tendons and, are, are fascia. Yeah, definitely. They're the white part tissue, of, right? Mm -hmm. And so as its name changes mm -hmm. uh, in different regions or in different derivations, there's still a continuity throughout the whole body. And that's... Uh, you know, where the fascia lives, whether it's enveloping the whole nervous system or the bones or the muscles. It's just, uh, you know, the thing that binds, integrates and wraps us all together. But it's also more than that. It's it's intelligent and it's, you know, a really important part of how the body works. It's, it's everything. It's not much. everything. It's <laughs> absolutely <pretty> not everything. <laughs> but it goes around everything. It connects everything pretty much in the body. Yeah. Yeah. Fascia is just such an interesting thing. It's such just a new thing too, right? It's yeah, well, new. not new, but that we were kind of seeing, being able to see with the technology that we have. Precisely. Yeah. The medical imaging equipment is over the last 15 years or so has just had all these advances. And so they're able to isolate it and study it and uh, look at it in ways that were just previously unavailable. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, when people go to go to medical school, like back in the day, right? Or, I mean, maybe pretty recent times, they would you know, just kind of basically cut off, cut out the, the fascia, right? Like it's not important. So kind of being trained subconsciously in a way, right? That, uh, that it's not important. You got it. Yeah, it was just like so many other people have said, just the thing that was in the way on your, you know, dissection to find the more important things like the nervous system or the organs. And uh, yeah, it was just certainly not by everybody everywhere, but it was just historically, you know, less um, interesting to just yeah. uh, people historically. 
and again, that that has changed. So, uh, yeah, every little quantum leap in the imaging mm. shows us things that are just hiding in plain view, but uh, we just weren't able to see them until we were. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of matter. You, know, you go to my school. I'm going to do a dissection right in January right <laughs> for on. the first time. Yeah, but uh, it. What happens when you when you when you, when you die? Basically, when, when what happens to the fascia? Well, um, well some of it stays, right? Because it's like permanent, right? But uh, yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it stays. Mm -hmm. I don't. It just it goes through different changes mm -hmm. as the go, the body goes from living to dead. But part of the exploration of dissection, certainly for fascia enthusiasts, is just seeing the myriad of ways that it just exists and connects all these different parts of the body. Mm. So <clears throat> from the superficial fascia to the deeper fascia and everything in between. Somebody's somebody's didn't take to oh. turn their phone off in here. <laughs> I was like, was that me? I felt like uh, no, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dissection, there's just there's different ways. Sometimes they embalm the body and other times they don't. So like the fresh dissection specimens sometimes show things that the embalmed ones don't and vice yeah. versa. And they're, they're really their benefits to both. You can just see things preserved in, in different ways. And then um, kind of things, things seem like they're just naturally trending towards living tissue mm. also. But, you know, you, you do the best you can to learn mm. as best you can. Dissection is just such a three-dimensional interaction you know you're not looking at pictures and pages or even compelling imagery and video you're it's tactile it's haptic you got your hands on you're not you know conceptually thinking about the three-dimensionality of the lung you can just stick your hand and wrap it around the rib cage and get onto the lung and just touch and you know feel it and study it or look for adhesions mm. and um, it's just, I think for a lot of people that maybe have different learning styles, mm -hmm. it's just such a direct cut to the chase and, and in a way, maybe three dimensional anatomy that you're touching is actually easier to learn mm. versus trying to assimilate a bunch of two dimensional anatomy through these other representations, you know, like, uh, Dissection is just, we live in the era where dissection is, is happening. It's mm -hmm. been happening for 20 years. I think Gil Headley mm -hmm. sort of is the guy that did popularize it. Mm -hmm. The um, Peach Fuzz uh, YouTube yep. video, right? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of making it available to non-medical professionals, healthcare professionals and non-healthcare professionals, but just... Uh, you know, leading an investigation into trying to learn more about mm. how we work and how we're put together and having respect and appreciation for the donor gifts as much as anything else. And um, it's just a great way to study anatomy. I mean, I just love checking out global force mm. transfer. So mm -hmm. just... I learned a lot from your first your rough cut movie with that mm -hmm. that's great yeah there's just uh there's so much to learn and it's just it's a great way to study so that's awesome 
think you're going to go do Tom Myers dissection in <laughs> January, as you were saying. Yeah. 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 Good. Good for you. I'll learn some things, huh? You'll learn a lot of things. You'll have a great time. You'll be even geekier when you come back than when you left. <laughs> He's laughing at me. <laughs> He's laughing at me. <laughs> He's like, all right, go do your thing. <laughs> yeah, go do your thing. You know, what is your thing? You're just like a student of human nature yeah. and uh, human behavior. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, right? But uh, I want people to be their best. And my tool has been Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but... Uh, it's everything, right? And we need other things to kind of, you know, recovery, right? Uh, the release intention, understanding, right? A deeper understanding. So all these these fascia and all these brain things that I'm doing, it's just helping me, it's giving me a better understanding and deeper understanding to yeah. make me a better teacher and better practitioner. Yeah, context and framework yeah. and systems thinking and critical thinking. Yeah. I like to always tell people that the the you know in the fascia you have your your, you know, your nervous system right is in there your your endocrine your hormones and everything's in there and uh, your immune system right inflammation right everything goes through the through the fascia and it goes around everything around the ground it goes around every muscle every muscle fiber around your organs and uh, is it Dr. Neil that kind of the pathologist that uh, Neil Thies Neil Thies yeah. That uh, just like it's actually the organs themselves are fascia as well, in a way. Yeah. Just the architecture is different, if that's what I remember, what he said at the fascia conference. Yeah. Well, he um, discovered the interstitium, which is sort of the, <clears throat> the liquid counterpart to the, f the collagen matrix. So, uh, mm. yeah, they were able with advances in medical imaging to find fascia in all kinds of areas that... They didn't really think it was there previously. Mm. And um, yeah, his story is like just a great sort of detective story of mm. him working the case and solving the case of with the imaging, looking at living matter instead of dead matter. Mm. And, you know, uh, taking apart some of the, the false uh, constructs of what we had thought previously based on these artifactual um, tissue specimens that were dead and you know now looking at the living body and um, yeah finding fascia in places like the biliary duct and the mm. pancreatic duct and all kinds of places where we just didn't really uh, know how ubiquitous it was we mm. knew it was ubiquitous but it's even even more so but it you know it has a primary relationship also with the nervous system so you know, while a lot of us are fascinated with fascia, you know, there's another group that's looking at the brain and the nervous system and how, you know, that's a primary system and other folks are into, like you were saying, the endocrine system mm -hmm. or the, you know, the vascular system. There's just a lot of specializations. And, um, you know, for me, it's really about trying to put a big picture together instead of just focusing on, on one part. So, being, being a generalist. Yeah. In a way. <clears throat> I think that is what I am. And I think that is what my profession of rolfing mm -hmm. really is in the era of specialization mm -hmm. and hyper-specialization who is still looking at the whole person. And uh, that's really what, what rolfing does in a way. It sort of 
you know, the toe bones connected to the foot bone and the foot bone to the ankle bone and just that whole story of all these uh, sub-segmental relationships and the whole body kinetic chain and how the whole thing functions on a physical level as a whole and then how people on a biopsychosocial level, how we, you know, function as, as whole people. So on some level, it's just like this pursuit of trying to understand the whole, mm -hmm. you know, in the era of reductionism, it's sometimes hard to make the case for the whole anatomy, the whole architecture. I don't know why, but it, it is, it's easier to sort of break things down into reductionistic component parts and describe them, but then it, again, yeah, it gets a little more difficult to describe the whole so maybe that's what some of us are trying to do and just being inclusionary of a lot of different anatomy and methodologies. One of the things that resonated, resonated with me when I went to Berlin for the fashion conference, uh, you know, that you have like the Steckos and you have these, you know, <laughs> really, really smart people there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're humble enough to say, like, we think, but we don't know. We don't know anything. Well, being <laughs> humble is a, uh, you know, is a good way to go. Yeah. yeah and uh, the discoveries today often get overturned tomorrow. And so just trying to stay up with the current thinking and research. And it's a lot of stuff happening. It's a lot to keep up with. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, she made the, actually, let's go back to the rolfing. Uh, what is rolfing? Could you uh, give, a, I guess, a simple... <laughs> a, a simple answer to a, such a complex, crazy, enormous thing. Yeah. Well, on some level, classical rolfing is addressing the whole body and the whole person. And um, it's, I don't know if I, if I use the terminology correctly, but it's, it's very paleo in the sense of it's about trying to restore the body to its intrinsic natural order. You know, one of Dr. Rolf's favorite quotes of mine was uh, she would talk about the work was towards the evolution of being more efficient bipeds. Mm. So, you know, we're creatures that go through the world and things happen to us and we deal with them and recover and traumas and stress. and Yeah. And it's just uh, and on some level, just giving our bodies uh attention in a way that really focuses on practical uh, mobility as much or more than anything. So it's really about trying to uh, not cater to pain or problems that are more local or regional. It's to sort of focus on the whole structure, in this case, the human body. So it's really more built on this sort of architectural construct of will address the whole architectural form mm. um, again versus you know I've got a knee problem can you help me with my knee and mm. then you just kind of focus more regionally my practice caters to both you know the majority is probably people who've got biomechanical pain or orthopedic issues mm. and that's our departure point you know hey can you help me out with this problem I'm having um, versus people that just sort of from the get-go 
are more like, I really want to address my whole body, sort of specifically, non-specifically. Let's just pay attention to all these parts that really don't get a lot of attention. So like someone like me, I've had three toe joint fusions mm. and feet and toes are mm. just a great area that just gets marginalized, especially you know, like your spine's important, mm. your nervous system's important, but you know, toes are like really down on the list. Mm -hmm. So, you know, someone like me thinks they're important. They're just as important as anything else. So, you know, getting I drive down to see you so you can work on my toes. That's yeah. what I tell my wife. <laughs> She's like, okay. <laughs> I drive two hours to Santa Monica. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, you, you you come to the right place. I'm a I'm the I'm the toe guy. I'm the foot guy. <laughs> I do think I'm a good person to see if you've had some toe or some hand or finger or foot issues. Just because my whole rehab for myself was about trying to, you know, restore normal range of motion mm. to myself and sort of upped the bar mm. on just my own anatomy and awareness and just, you know, develop different things to just try to get the foot working again. Mm. And um, it's an important area. I appreciate when I go see you, like, I, you know, I tell you, I learn a lot. Like you work on my toes, right? You pop my toes, you move, twist them around, you know? And then you, you go to my elbow, you work on my elbow, and then uh, you go back to the toes. And when you, you, it, you can't adjust it anymore, it doesn't pop anymore, but then you work on my elbow, you create some space there, and then you go back to my toes, and then they, they pop again. Like, how does that work? It's the mystery <laughs> that, that show, of... That, that shows you like how everything's so interconnected, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I think about it. It's just everything isn't linear everything isn't symmetrical and so you're trying to offset compression throughout the whole structure again it's almost like picking a lock in a way mm. some of these areas like you're describing the process of maybe you in the context of we're sort of working on an orthopedic mm. or orthopedic issues yeah, you start right on that area sometimes and you work elsewhere you come back to it you kind of treat or test, treat, and then retest. But it is a nonlinear kind of uh, scenario, and which I don't have completely figured out. But my approach is more of a shotgun technique where mm. you just, um, you know, you work on a lot of different areas instead of just hyper-focusing on one. Um, going back to the Rolfing, uh, who was Ida Rolf? Um, I was her background. Yeah, mm -hmm. she was uh, the developer of Rolfing. Mm -hmm. um, she was a biochemist mm -hmm. who got a PhD in 1920. Um, she was just a great thinker and pioneer. Um, and then she, you know, developed Rolfing, which, you know, was influenced by a lot of different. Um, kinds of input from osteopathy and yoga and different kinds of movers and thinkers. Um, and she, I don't know. I mean, for me, I sometimes think about basic rolfing as kind of like a blue collar osteopathy. Mm. You know, I think she looked at osteopathy and saw how amazing it was 
and how um, nuanced and sort of medically sophisticated and its thinking and incorporation of factoring in embryology and just, you know, a medical person's uh, approach to the body. But I think inside all that, I think she just also saw there's still this really basic thing that is just still being unaddressed. Mm. And so she just developed this really practical approach mm. to developing the body uh, and addressing the body three-dimensionally. I think at the same time, she also, you know, the work during the 40s and 50s, it was in the context of a lot of, or some doctors were just going to jail. Mm. Uh, not necessarily doctors, but like chiropractors mm. and other non-MDs uh, for practicing medicine without a license. Mm. So I think Rolf also had the motivation to, she didn't really want to go down that road. She did want to develop the work to be an orthopedic adjunct. Mm. Um, so she like found a way to frame it and contextualize it that would avoid all of that trouble. So she really did move off of let's talk about orthopedics to let's talk about architecture. And so framing the conversation that way was a great way to both get away from the orthopedic medical problem, but also do this difficult thing of addressing the whole. So I think on some level, you know, when I think about it, it's she was had to deal with how will I address the whole body? And I mm -hmm. think she looked at the three pre-existing planes of motion, you know, the X, Y, and Z axes. And the first six sessions of the classical Rolfing uh, protocol are to work at the um, you know, the ends mm. of those, you know, up, down, side, side, and front, back mm. dimensions, addressing the whole architectural form volumetrically, three-dimensionally, staking it out on all sides and in all dimensions. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of what it is on some level. It's many things, many mm. smart people will have a lot of different ways to break it down, but I think on some level she just addressed the three planes of motion and then sort of then the seventh hour was after you got everything organized from the neck down. It was like a giant setup or preparatory work for getting your head and neck organized mm. on top of the rest of the body below. And, um, you know, so Rolfing was this piece of the human potential movement. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Where um, all this... I started researching her and Googling, and Jan Sultan was talking about you know, where he met her. Mm -hmm. And then in the 60s, 60s I think, when he, is when he met her. So she was up in, was it Monterey or that area, right? It's up in Big Sur. Big the, Sur, Big Sur, yeah. At the Esalen Institute. And uh, I believe Dr. Rolf was invited there by Fritz Perls. Mm -hmm. And again, it was in the context of the human potential movement. So there was a, there were a lot of um, kind of cathartic-based modalities mm -hmm. like EST therapy and primal therapy where it was almost like these psychotherapeutic models were trying to kind of deal with the shadow or just deal with unresolved issues in a way that was very 
strong and direct mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just kind of tried to like hammer the, uh, the trauma, the trauma out of you. And Rolfing was kind of like the perfect body based adjunct, mm -hmm. you know, so it was almost like, okay, we, we've been doing talk therapy in this aggressive way and we've got that all cleaned up. And so now we need to do the body version. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Rolfing earned, if, if you will, it's, it's mixed or bad <laughs> reputation right. for being painful right. and invasive because, you know, among other things, I think Dr. Rolf wanted the work to have the best chance it could have mm. through a strong, direct intervention. Mm. And that wasn't great for everybody. It was, it was really good for a lot of people, mm. but some people, yeah did really well with that and other people just got hammered yeah. and potentially re-traumatized. And then, you know, we, we thought about that. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah. not just trying to be a big hammer and hammer every nail anymore. It's evolved a lot, huh? Rolf and Rolfing used to be so hardcore. Jan Sultan always talked to me about it and I, you know, what he used to do in the, in the eighties and, you know, but uh, it's evolved a lot, right? Why do you think that is? I think it's, Probably not evolved, but changed, right? Changed, yeah. In a way, there's probably a lot the of reasons. And the the hardcore, hardcoreness of it. Yeah, some of it is maybe like educational trends, be they in neuroscience right. or favoring the psychosocial mm -hmm. aspects of the biopsychosocial equation. A lot of it's personality types mm -hmm. too, like. I think it has different flavors in different mm. parts of the world. I've been teaching in Japan for about the last six years mm. and over there it's more gentle. Mm. It, it just is for whatever reasons. Mm. Uh, some of that may be cultural. Some of that may be some of the people that were the early mm. um, Rolfers maybe had a bias for being more gentle. So interesting. Just, I come from the martial art background, but it's like lineage, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're mentors. And so it's like kind of like martial art. You know? <laughs> oh, it's, it's got all of that. Rolfing is a great, you the know, student look of that student to the student, but it all started from that first Japanese the, student, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, that's totally there. And then, um, you know, there's a big, there's a, there's a Rolfing can handle a lot. There's room for a lot of different perspectives and, practitioner types and thinking, but like this guy, lovely, awesome teacher, mentor of mine and yours, Jan Sultan, that we keep talking about, uh, tip my hat to Jan. And, um, but there are just, uh, like Jan will sometimes talk about, you know, what happened or where are all of the direct, uh, you know, manipulators because mm. the thing has trended into a potential more, uh, gentle type but again, some of that is lineage and then some of that is personality right, right. type. So right. some people are more, they're just strong always. Some people are soft always. Mm. Some people are mixers. A lot of people are more into like what's called client-centered mm. therapy. So it's really trying to, um, in the best possible way, meet the client exactly where they're at versus just imposing your will on them. And that might you know, set itself up for having better outcomes. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, yeah, clients are just 
diverse also in terms mm-hmm. of like what they want or what their expectation is or how their body responds to force from gentle to strong and from one area to the next and one day to the next. So it's, it's a very alive, very alive dynamic. Um, and there's, you know, rolfing itself is, is rooted in the physical tissue. Um, I don't know, I may ruffle a few feathers, but if, if you just do primarily talking and five grams of pressure work, you, you may get the same exact results. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can sometimes use a lot of pressure and not get any results. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a varying thing. But just in terms of classically <clears throat> looking at it or understanding it or, or viewing it, it is a direct form of tissue manipulation and deep tissue therapy. And the truth is that's only half of the equation. The other half of the equation is really about client education. Mm. Just to like teaching awareness, teaching them awareness, but also being a good detective and, you know, reverse engineering your activities of daily life. Someone like me, my bias is that I think that change is primarily behavioral. So the manual therapy is excellent. It's a big piece of the equation. But most people have got some, especially if they're having trouble, have got these behaviors or these activities of daily life that they're just so used to doing um, that are oftentimes the, the underlying irritant. And um, so trying to figure out what they are and... Uh, as simple as it is conceptually, it's very difficult behaviorally to um, change your behavior, mm. especially if you've been doing it a long time mm. and it gets complicated if you have stories about it shouldn't be this way mm. or it didn't used to be this way. But, you know, the healing equation, whether you come at it from like jujitsu or functional movement or clinically through manual therapy, it's just such a dynamic equation where... People have a lot of stuff going on mm. on a lot of different levels. So rolfing is a lot of different things, you know, from one practitioner mm. to the next. But in the classic sense, it's like a protocol of 10 sessions. Some schools do a little more mm. that you address the whole form, you know, with variation. But it's this comprehensive, more kind of a system. Yeah, kind of a system. That's all about the whole and uh, that can sometimes be an abstraction. So, yeah, Amazing. get rolled. <laughs> get rolled. Yeah. Uh, so you're a filmmaker, and you have a you have a movie called The Secret Life of Fascia. I do. Yeah, I'm a late bloomer, but uh, I've been putting together this this film that's grown and grown, and um, yeah, got to show some of it at the Fascia conference. Yeah, we had a great screening there in Berlin. Mm-hmm. It's part of the uh, the artistic uh, evening. That was a lot of fun. So, how did that uh, how did that start that process, and what is your goal, I guess, with uh, with the movie? Yeah the the movie was um, <clears throat> it just there were a lot of things that it uh, it satisfied, if you will. I'd gone to film school a long time ago and have been angling towards making an independent film Mm. for a long time. So like maybe 
some other people where it just seems like where'd you come from overnight there's mm. there was a lot of prep that mm. preceded that um it's a lot of different things on some level it's it, I don't know if this sounds corny, but it's a, it's a bit of a love letter to my mm -hmm. clients mm -hmm. and to other people's clients in just the journey to try to understand what's happening and what am I doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's some good information mm -hmm. that helps fill in some of the gaps. Mm -hmm. um, I really wanted to tell a great story with a great storyteller, which is definitely what I got with Robert Schleip. Mm. You know, he's the spine of the whole docu-series and his narrative from past, present, and future, sort of following Fasha's trajectory or storyline from being marginalized mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. <clears throat> sort of the black sheep of mm -hmm. the anatomical world to... Um, research and science starting to include it and isolate it as a variable and, um, you know, fascia finding its relevancy basically, um, to, you know, contemporary research and, uh, a lot of different spokes on the wheel, you know, so there's embryology, anatomy, physiology, lots of, uh, functional training and, looking at how the body works. Mm. So in like a big overview, part one is called, it's a three-part docu-series, and part one is what is fascia and why is it important? Mm -hmm. So look at a lot of different researchers, cancer researchers, uh, all kinds of people that are sort of pointing to, it's not a panacea, but it's a really relevant mm -hmm. piece of the equation. And then part two is... Um, underlying mechanisms and biopsychosocial factors. So it's a continuation of trying to look at how the body works mm -hmm. really in sports and movement mm -hmm. through the lens of fascia, but mm -hmm. not just fascia. It's the spoiler alert is the film's about a lot more than just fascia. So looking at all other kinds of mm -hmm. ancillary mm -hmm. stuff, uh, the nervous system mm -hmm. and just, uh, know really different research and then part two really kind of transitions into the whole person so it also is going to sort of break down the biopsychosocial model and um, try to <clears throat> bring it to a bigger audience through a you know a coherent um you know, overview mm -hmm. of the biological, the psychological, the social components. And then um, there'll be some other cool stuff in there too, like uh, nociception and pain and perception kind of set the whole thing up. And then uh, one of my personal heroes, Robert Sapolsky's got a little section in there on social grooming, mm -hmm. which is a great social piece grooming. of the puzzle. And um, hopefully, yeah that there'll be some other uh, some other new characters coming in as well. And then part three is really about fascia and sports and movement mm. and following the science. And But you had some, some of that in your first the rough cut, right? You saw the film went through an evolution. So in the very beginning, it was supposed to be a 60-minute documentary. <laughs> okay, so like I shot 
Robert Schleif's lecture mm. and we cleaned it up for a long time. And uh, the first thing I did was like reorganized everything mm. into a three act structure. Mm. So like just in contemporary like playwriting or screenwriting, mm. that's just like the go to mm -hmm. simple thing. So I did that. It was it was act one, act two, act three. Mm. And then over time, as it kept yeah. growing, it just organically kept evolving and growing. Um, it eventually just became a three-part documentary series mm. where each one will be about 60 minutes each. You saw in Berlin the last time that I screened the whole rough cut. So you saw um, yeah, a rough cut of one, two, and three one right after the next. Mm. So it was long. It was like, uh, didn't have the Berlin interviews in it mm. yet. So it was, right. it was very heavy on Robert Schleip, which is awesome, but it was great to offset it mm. with all these other, yeah, great personalities. And so, um, yeah, like now I've been in pre-production working on parts two and part three for a while and just trying to line up some of the new, uh, interviews mm. and sometimes it takes me years to do that. Sometimes how many, how many years has this process been going on for the? Since about movie? the seventh year, it's been going on. The first year we shot it, it just looked terrible and I couldn't use any of it, sadly. Um, so, you know, the first year was a scrap. Then the next year we shot it and it looked amazing. And then um, so, yeah, you know, it evolved from. It was just a, it was just Schleip's lecture, you know, that we shot in this hotel and it mm. just was kind of like, that's nice, but it's not a movie mm. and, uh, you know, still really good stuff, I'm but I've blown it time. out yeah. like over time yeah. with, it's just got like so much it's really complete, yeah. different, um, just supporting material and they can find interviews. it on Vimeo, right? Yeah. It's on Vimeo on demand. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Secret Life of Fascia. It's uh, running times 59 minutes, 35 seconds. Part one, uh, I'll release part two, um, the middle or the end of next year, and then aiming towards uh, premiering part three mm. at the Fascia Research Congress mm. in Montreal in 2021. And um, so, yeah, I'm like submitting it to film festivals. Mm. I'm trying to get into some of these interesting, uh, like Film Independent has mm. this documentary lab that I just sent an application in for a couple of days ago. Keep my fingers crossed on that. You know, it'll get pitched in Netflix and Hulu, mm. and I'm going to try to like see if I can, you know, get it pitched to HBO and mm. the Discovery Channel and mm. just trying to find a way. Mm -hmm. It's the journey of like the independent filmmaker. Mm -hmm. It's you know, doing the whole thing by myself mm -hmm. and uh, trying to figure it out as I go. All starting as a homage to your your clients and and uh, yeah, from the hard time. Well, to come back to that too, it was also a like a retort to fascia in the popular culture. Mm. I mean, a lot of people don't like fascia. They don't fascia. understand it, right? No, they understand. Maybe they don't Most understand people, yeah. it, but there's like, there are, fascia has a lot of detractors essentially where it's just for that, 
group in general, it's just any explanatory model that isn't about the nervous system mm. or the brain is just not going to satisfy that group. Mm. Um, fascia doesn't have a lot of research that mm. is just, uh, you know, evidence based, right? Kind evidence of thing, based, the, the higher tier level. one, mm, right. and. Um, so it just because it is, is so new right or as far as it is new fascia is also the story of the underdog mm. you know so sometimes it gets picked on um if you go to rolfing for example and you search rolfing and mm. then you go to wikipedia mm. and you look at rolfing's definition on wikipedia it's just completely trashed mm. Um, you know, we've been defiled on mm. Wikipedia and we've tried to correct that, but mm. there's a SWAT team of people out there. The second we make a correction or an addition or a change, it gets changed right back. Mm. So, I mean, it's interesting, I'm, yeah. I'm a critical thinker and there's just this whole world of pseudoscience, mm. which, um, you know, should be watched and should be investigated. But a lot of people, they just don't like have a piece where they want to support, mm. you know, uh, like things like fascia that mm. are really in a relative infancy mm. period right. of research and development. And um, there's just a lot of bashing of it that goes on. So it, it starts on this meta level with just like pseudoscience coming to bear on everything, whether it's chiropractic or acupuncture or rolfing or- well, I'm sure like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, right? There was, I mean, there was more, uh, I guess you can call it hate, right? Or, <laughs> you know, people kind of criticism, right? Criticism in a way. It's they, they had a lot more, but now because of the imaging, right? Technology that, you know, it's, it's no, it's, this, is, this is real. This is, this, they, they understand more. And so it kind of is science now. There is science for sure. Um, but there also still is, right, I mean, I would, of, there actually is a hate group. There are people <laughs> who are fundamentalists that just that word triggers them. And yeah. uh, anything that comes from that word or mm. people associated, affiliated mm. with mm. that group it's just uh there's a confirmation bias that comes to bear on it as though all the people that are into fascia are just mm. a bunch of cheerleaders mm. who don't you know who aren't critical thinkers mm. no it's just um some people are more inclusionary thinkers there's the last title in the movie i don't know if you saw it but like this it's another who is this what is this movie about what is it for mm. it, it, the last title says for the moderates so I'm not really trying to cater to the cheerleaders mm. and I'm not trying to like, you know, mm. prove the haters wrong. Mm. I'm just trying to sort of make the case mm. in the first part mm. that fascia is relevant. Mm. So you've got people like Peter Friedel, who's just like a tier one cancer researcher talking right. about and telling you how he can't really be a competent ethical mm. uh, cancer researcher if he doesn't incorporate connective tissue into his clinical model because the reality is it's just in the mix. So, you know, while it may not have, it definitely, nothing has all the answers, but it's just, you know, getting started still. And um, yeah, fascia has its own um, little special 
irritation mm. to a certain community. I mean, such a deep thing, right? Like that's anyway. another <laughs> thing that actually compelled me to make the movie was I really don't have any interest in going tit for tat with mm. people on mm. Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, and defending me lady yeah. of fascia. Like it's just <laughs> not my thing, but I just, all the bashing and hating, yeah. I was yeah. like, I'm going to do this other thing. I'm just going to make a movie I want to make a movie that makes the case, you know, that it's actually, it's not this stupid, irrelevant mm. thing all the time that is just, you know. Well, I think the cat's out of the bag now, right? The cat is definitely out of the bag. So, yeah, there's, there's not so much of that. Or that was probably like 10 years ago. Yeah. Or even when you first started making the movie. Things I have think evolved a lot. The fascist science has evolved right, a right, lot because right. it's like a train that's in motion. That's just not going to stop. There's just people are um, more than interested mm. in it. People are taking it seriously because yeah. it's a piece. It's a spoke on the wheel. Mm. That's what it is. It's like it's a spoke on the wheel. You know, as a you know, I'm a, as a jiu-jitsu guy, right, and, and a teacher and practitioner, uh, you know, stuff starts to hurt and like. You don't know, and so you go to the doctor, and a lot of times, like you know, they give you drugs or they give you surgery, right, as a solution. And uh, I basically just try to, I guess, educate people in a way. And where do I go to? I go to the fascia. I'm like, listen, and I show them videos of Gumberto or some other ones where you know, when there's trauma, how it, everything kind of, kind of comes together, and there's no space, you know. And I was like, man, you just got to create space, and that it looks like a spider web, like a like a like a mucusy uh, spider web, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just got to create create space in there. So you got to tell your brain, okay, it's safe. You can you can move in that direction. And so you got to stretch. You got to create space in there by stretching and play with your breath, right? Because everything's interconnected. And then uh, and then uh, I've had success. You know, a lot of successes where you know they go to the doctor. My shoulder hurts. They want to give you shoulder. You know, I need shoulder surgery. I'm like, hold on. And I, I see some movements. You know, and then I'm like, hey man, stretch out your lats. And they trust me because of, you know the martial arts and stuff, and and then they do it, and then uh, and then uh, they're like, "Oh, my shoulder doesn't hurt anymore," and they're able to heal themselves. But it's like that awareness and the Gumbrotu's work. I'm so appreciative of him because he put like not not only the videos but also his book is really nice, and I can give him, oh, yeah. I can show people that um, of like, "Hey, man, it's just like stuck together, and you just got to pull it apart and create space." And then also you, sometimes you got to push it together too, right? Depending on where it's at, right? But uh, yeah, you got to create space. You got to pull everything apart, push it together. And that goes for every part, right? Your ligaments, your, your, your I mean, everything. Your skin, right? This stuff just gets glued together, right? A lot of times like, uh, yeah, and just that shoulder girdle, right? Everything's so complex. Same thing with the hips, right? It's so complex. So many things going on there. So uh, yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> man, just some awareness of the fascia is like, life changing can change everything for somebody and that's just i just found to find it fascinating with the whole human potential movement from the 60s i mean <laughs> it's it's about being your best and having that awareness can help you be your best of course i'm i'm thinking about jujitsu and and i believe as jujitsu is a tool for for you know living our best life but uh all the tactful stuff has uh, has given me a lot of that knowledge and uh it's that's how that's why i've kind of gone down you know this fascia, <laughs> I guess uh, tangent in a way, but yeah. uh, I just I'm I can't I can't get enough I can't get enough. 
Well, it kind of makes sense because in general, the fascia crowd is interested in three-dimensional mm. movement, mm. you know, in uh, being functional mm. and moving in ways that are um, more the way we're designed mm. to move potentially. Mm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's actually one of the, that's like the primary B story in the movie or the story inside the story is the domesticated body. Right. You know, that Our lifestyle, right? The way we live, sitting down so much, mm -hmm. um, being stressed <clears throat> with things that aren't life-threatening. <laughs> yeah. The dinosaur is not going to, you know, right. bite our shoulder off. <clears throat> it's just, it's in our mind. Exactly. And our body's adapting to that. Mind, the, yeah. What we're thinking. Yeah. Underuse is, Underuse. A, is a major, is a major problem potentially. Yeah. Overuse for me, where was jujitsu, a lot of years of overusing. Yep. Yeah, well, By some disuse, not learning proper techniques on how to do certain, you know, maybe some movements, right? Proper, proper yeah. movements and exercising and things like that. Nobody maybe showed me the right way. Yep. Well, everyone's trying to, uh, you know, sort of advance the whole body in motion um, evolution through uh, training more dynamically or <clears throat> training in ways that incorporate different modalities and uh, just be more fit, but mm. at the same time kind of be in this paleo kind of a yeah. construct where you're doing it from a reference point of the way you were designed to do it, yeah. trying to get back to that, if you yeah. will. Yeah, the whole fit term, I'm, I kind of like, it's cool, right? But to me, it's about health. It's all about like living our best life, the vitality. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, just figuring that out so I, I can, right? Like, and then I, I shared with you my multiple sclerosis things, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's given me a, uh, it's maybe a special ability, but a, a certain understanding, right? Of more sensitivity to certain things like foods and lifestyle, like our movement things too, right? Lifestyles like stress and things like that. It makes me yeah. more aware. It gives me like more awareness. Like if I don't do the right things, I don't feel good. I feel really bad. Yep. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I wanted to I want to talk about one more thing about the fascia, like bring it up about the, the yeah. brain and all that. You know, when I was at the Good. fascia conference, they, they they showed a live fibroblast. That's the stuff that shoots out the spider webs in the fascia. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the first time I ever saw it. And it looked exactly exactly, but looked almost like a neuron in the brain. Right. And I was like, whoa, you know, what's going on here? You know? So is fascia our brain? Could, was it, could you say that? It's a, like a part of our part of our brain, or it's it's like like our everything everything's interconnected. Is uh, you know how how would how would it's a yeah, good way it's to tricky. say that? It's just so interesting. It's tricky. It's acting exactly like like a neuron, and just it's like the same in a way. It's similar. Just it just depends, I guess, who you are and how you look at it. Right, how but you look at it. You know, are you pulling things apart and sort of discriminating layers and systems mm. and anatomical structures? Or are you trying to look at it more as like a unified, mm. unified whole? So like, you know, the brain and the skin all come from uh, the ectoderm mm. embryologically. So... Mm. If you're looking through an embryological model, mm. that's a great way to kind of stitch those things together. Sure. The fascia is probably more derived from the meso layer. Mm. So 
Um, it's from a different mm. point of reference in the embryo in the embryological process than say the ectoderm. But then you know your brain and your nervous system are going to be wrapped in uh, different connective tissue mm. envelopes and meninges and structures that are um, just intimately it's next door neighbor mm. or you know married in a mm. way that if you get beyond the abstract thinking reductionistic mind it's just you know this one thing that again is the hardest thing to describe but i mean i'm of the mind that fascia is not everything versus <laughs> fascia is everything and um you know it's uh it's good to just remain discriminating. It is, but it isn't. <laughs> it is, but it isn't. Yeah. Well, we're learning more and more about it. And right. it's not dumb. Um, you know, it's it's got intelligence and it's got, you know. It adapts to everything that we do. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's an amazing thing that's just compelling and captivating to a certain audience because it does really speak to the unified mm. whole mm. and um but we just have to be careful to not sort of pile on everything sure, sure, sure. Um, so complex yeah i'm always like <laughs> trying to reconcile the tissue model mm. with the brain nervous system right, models right. so like you know when i work typically i'm doing uh holds or techniques that are just for longer durations mm. so that you can get a graded exposure effect in your brain through time elapsing mm. and the input coming up to your brain mm. changing from hopefully is it a threat or a threatening message right. to a, safe a non-threatening yeah. one which is um going to really elicit change you know from the top down and so uh just trying to reconcile all these different explanatory models mm. You know, we've got the whole enteric nervous system and the second brain that's down in the gut and, mm, right. you know, the vagus nerve is trending right. and, right. you know, neuroscience has like a... Going know, to a vagus nerve uh, neuroscience course uh, Thursday, Thursday okay. for four days. <laughs> Where, what are you going to? Where are you doing to that? To Vegas. It's a Z Health uh, um, organization I'm Great. part of, yeah. So it's pretty much on the vagus emails. nerve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah. Vagus nerve is like the new psoas. You know, it's just it's really trendy, and uh, really important. Yeah, it's getting a lot of good attention. Yeah. So you know, speaking of the the work that you do, like you stuck your finger up my nose. I, are weekend. you sure about that? <laughs> I have the video. <laughs> I'm just showing people that. Like, oh, shit. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. So you stuck your finger up both my not well one at a time, one one each nostril, right? I and did. Um, and uh, you know you worked did you know you worked on my foot and and I had some you know some work done with you, right? You know, yeah. My elbows, all the usual stuff, and then you're like, man, I think I wanna I wanna think I wanna go up your nose. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Mm-hmm. So uh, how can that, and I've been, at first it was, you know, it was a lot. It was very intense, right? Especially with one of my nostrils. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, and so it took me some time, but man, I've been feeling great. <laughs> really? What have you been noticing? My, my vision was clear, especially in my, one, of my, one of my eyes, you know? It's easier to move my eyes. Um, and uh, just feel like I could breathe better. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, um, the nose work is classically a part of the seventh hour mm. in the traditional 10 session uh, series. And things. yeah, so just to like review quickly, it's mm. like we've organized, we're organizing the whole body. Mm. We just spent the first six sessions mm. uh, trying to do all that from the neck down. Mm. So it's like these six hours, these six sessions have been the setup to get to the head, the neck, the cranial anatomy, mm. the face, the jaw. Mm. And so that's where the nose work comes from. Uh, you know, Rolf really pioneered that work mm. in addition to the psoas and a lot of other stuff. Um, so initially, I think like with nose work, uh, it's just so odd and unusual that, you know, the first barrier is, um, you know, just sort of the absurdity of it in a certain way yeah. that someone is going to actually stick their finger in my nose. Yeah, you put... It uh, may be there for quite a while. You put uh, KY jelly on your finger. Uh, you put a rubber glove on. Yeah. And you put KY jelly on That's your correct. finger. Yeah. And he went up my nose and you went all the way up in my nose. And yep. I was I was freaking out, you know. I was freaking out, but I maybe I didn't show it, but I focused on my breath. <laughs> I went into that meditative state. I was like, okay, four is you know at least to this cause four zero six two. So focus on the after the exhale, just pause, okay. And I kept focusing on the breath because I wanted to sneeze, I wanted to cough, I wanted to uh, my throat started itching, I started crying. <laughs> I, Nobody's I, where ever, was I when nobody. all this was going on? <laughs> I was in fight mode, you know, but also accepting, right? Yeah, it's so uh, interesting. So, yeah. from the outside, you know, because my point of view... <laughs> like this I was is, calm and just chilling out. <laughs> yeah, like my point of view is like we talked about it yeah. in advance. I was like, I'm going to do this work. Uh, if you raise your hand, you know, that means stop. Stop yeah. means stop. Yeah. You should not be over-invested in taking every uncomfortable yeah. uh, pressure as a sign of, you know, like... The, it's like the warrior should be more sentient and mm. sort of trying to play just below the mm. threshold instead of, but, um, you know, this is sort of my fantasy of mm. like my precursor speech to everything being reasonable. Mm. And then if a client has got a great poker face, mm. you got all the stuff you just described going on internally. Mm. And, you know, I'm feeling like I've checked all the boxes mm. of everything's straight, but anyway, so then it's just about trying to give more space mm. and space. a little bit more range of motion. Stimulating cr cranial nerves as well, right? That has a system-wide effect. Facial, on cranial. But the nose is a good example also mm. of some just really practical biomechanics mm. in certain situations. It can be if you've broken your nose yeah, like you have. Mm -hmm. It's a version of a stubbing injury. Mm. Like you understand I stub my finger mm. at football, at basketball, mm. or I stub my toe. I like kick the, you know, the mm. coffee table and oh my God. Well, that's a very similar thing that happens mm. to your nose mm. if it gets broken and smashed. And so I had this one client years ago. He was this like college football player mm. who had broken his nose about seven different times. Mm -hmm. And we spent about seven different hours mm. just trying to decompress mm. and create more space and mm. work with the brain and mm -hmm. just try to help out 
in terms of getting his nose back mm. to more of a, um, you know, a more natural position and take some of the compression and internal strain out. So, you know, you go through the novelty and the absurdity of someone's doing this to my nose, but of course it's with consent. It's also in the context of the scale is right. Like if you've got a petite nose and I got a big hanky finger, we can't really do the dance. Mm. The scale has got to be right. Mm. But then it's just a matter of trying to, you know, gently, respectfully get into, you know, working along the septum into mm. the nose in a way where um, you get s stretched out uh, through just occupying that space over mm. time. And it is linked up with your brain and nervous system. So, you know, the setup is it's manageable for you for real, not for pretend. Um, it shouldn't be a macho thing. We can mm. just skip it if you don't like it or it's just really bad. But if you're somebody who, let's say, has struggled with breathing problems, you know, you've tried everything. And here it is. We're avoiding surgery. Yeah. And we're just giving it a uh, an opportunity to improve by virtue of like a slow, prolonged occupation and mm. stretch mm. and sort of triangulating that with everything that's going through your brain in terms of like your mental chatter is this crazy to your physical sense of it of is this safe mm. to hopefully if we're not just doing an over aggressive version mm. of it two minutes from now you've gotten used to it mm. and you're relaxing now and other parts of your body are right. relaxing and you know, you're getting the benefit of a, of a prolonged kind of a stretch slash down regulation of your, of your brain. Yeah. I was, system. uh, you know, I've been knocked out of broken my nose. Um, and I thought, I thought, you know, maybe I had some, some, you know, had some traumas there, but I, I had no smell in one, my, in my right nostril, actually mm. the one that was more challenging for me. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was from that, but, uh, but, uh, I had a memory after, after I left there mm. and, uh, I was like, was it, is it tense from being knocked out? Is it tense from, you know, my nose broken? Pro probably a little bit, right? Maybe, but I had a memory of, I had a, a, a sinus infection when I was younger, maybe like 19 or 20 and I kept training jujitsu. And uh, just I would take some Advil and, and, you know, whatever I had to do to kind of keep training jiu-jitsu. And it was so bad that I was, I ended up having to basically sleep the rest of, I would train jiu-jitsu and then I would sleep all day because mm -hmm. I was so exhausted. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then finally I went to the ear, nose and throat doctor <laughs> and they drained my sinus and gave me some antibiotics and, and I got better, right? Uh, but uh, it was pretty traumatic and I think they even said, oh, if you have a few more days and you could have been in real big trouble. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that was the memory that I had. And I remember it was in that, I just, I just remembered that you asked me how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. So things that was interesting. Resurface sometimes. Yeah. Not to be like crude or crass or anything, but I mean, a lot of us have probably had the experience of you actually remove a nasal obstruction. Mm. Like there's a booger in there and you get it out and you're like, wow. I can breathe again, mm. you know, and, um, interesting stretching your nose out is kind of the same thing. 
in the sense of you're just trying to be able to take in more air through creating more space. And, um, you know, for a lot of people who've had trauma in that area, that's a really good setup provided, you know, you're respectful and, you know, you do it uh, safely. You know, it's a serious thing. You don't want to fool around with being glib or, you know, nonchalant about doing that kind of work. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about, you went to visit Gumbroto, right? I did, yeah. I went to, uh, to Bordeaux France. and saw him for a couple of days and went into uh, surgery with him and filmed him doing his in vivo work. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, and then I went to Gouven and worked for about two weeks doing dissection on the, uh, the fascial net plastination project. How many weeks were you there? I was there for two weeks mm. working on that in, in Gouven. Germany, where the plastinarium is. What, uh, so you spent two weeks, like, all day long, right? Yeah, that particular time. Recreating, uh, like, the fascia, fascial network. Yeah, well, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Body Worlds. Yes, I've seen it in Vegas. Yeah, so Body Worlds is, uh, has got these installations all over the world where mm -hmm. they make these just amazing artistic and anatomical specimens. Mm. Um, and so that group is uh, teamed up with the Fascia Research Congress mm. and um, has got this project where we're creating the first ever, you know, anatomical specimens that are really highlighting, mm. highlighting fascia in addition to other anatomy um, <clears throat> with these just great you know, uh, anatomical hmm. specimens. So we've been working on <clears throat> a whole body specimen and, um, there are parts of it that have already been put into, uh, the permanent exhibit hmm. in, uh, Berlin. Hmm. What was your piece in that, uh, structure? I spent the first three days working on a cross section of the lower leg, hmm. And then I spent uh, my other six days doing some really interesting work on the abdomen and uh, the thorax. So the, the big goal was to show the relationship between the respiratory diaphragm mm. with the pericardium. Mm. And uh, so we did that. And then I uh, also spent a lot of time kind of differentiating the bronchial tree from the lung tissue, um, cleaning out all the different chambers mm. of the heart, and then working on the, uh, the external mm. body and uh, preparing that. Uh, the project I worked on got a little artsy. We ended up mounting it on this wooden block mm. so we could uh, work on it and um, display it differently. And so uh, that project <clears throat> needs a little bit more, I think, for completion. Uh. Um, and uh, a lot of people that really, really love fascia. <laughs> yeah, this is like an international team of right. volunteers who don't get paid right. and go there and super high-level people creating this thing. Yeah, there's <laughs> just, just because they love it and they're. Yeah, we're you know geeks. About we're yeah. anatomy geeks uh -huh, uh -huh. and function geeks, Amazing. and uh, Amazing. you know it's 
it's like the mystery of nature mm. is revealed through the body mm. and um it's just so amazing i'm excited for you to go to uh do your first dissection you're gonna love it yeah excited yeah it's also it's just a kinesthetic experience mm -hmm. too again there's talking about it there's looking at pictures of right. it but then there's directly it's touching touching it and just being like wow mm -hmm. you know this is uh this is different yeah uh, like jan like going back to jan sultan again he always says like the more you know the more you can uh i guess feel right the more anatomy you know like the more you study like the you know the pictures and those things but yeah. you have to kind of and then you can kind of feel it more like those pieces right so you know i've been studying but i've never really you know felt like the pieces under the skin and those you know all the different parts of the body so i'm really excited actually to to kind of understand it better yeah to demystify it mm -hmm. a lot yeah i teach uh like when i met you 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 took a class that jan and i were teaching together together on uh you know, the visceral and musculoskeletal. Cranial sacrum, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so... Talking about the skull and how <laughs> the different parts of the skull, like it's not just one bone, it's like a bunch of different bones, right? Yep. And there's... Uh, <laughs> you're pulling the basically the skull apart with some of the, the stuff that we did. Going yeah, to trying to <laughs> create get some things moving as right. best as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the language thing is just such a fussy, tricky thing because a lot of the old language we use is just like, it just, some of it doesn't stand up, but right. some of it, like people just can't be contextual right, right. about it. It's like, the, but I hooked, uh, the, I hooked the brows, you know, I grabbed the nose, pull it apart. Right. You it's know, like, very is that like what's <laughs> happening or, you know, what's happening? And then you, you feel, I mean, I did it to my wife and I did it, I even did it to my son, you know, a little bit. Uh, and you just feel them. I mean, they have to trust you, right? And uh, it's such such a crazy, intimate thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, but they feel better after. Like, ah, oh, well, like super relaxed. Like they almost, like my son almost went to sleep, you know? Yeah. Well, then we just sort of get into a little bit of the social grooming right. territory where, of course, it's not the social grooming nomenclature that's been stolen by, stolen by sort of like the perverts of the world, but it's the aloe grooming. Right the biological right. touching right. of one species or the same species and right. just all of the inherent, you know, goodness that, uh, mm. that comes from that. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Western culture maybe is a little bit, you know, deprived in mm. touch and yeah. some groups call it skin hungry. And so that, I think that's the reason why, you know, jujitsu is people love jujitsu, right? You're touching each other. <laughs> That human touch. Totally, man. And it just gets uh, gets marginalized right. for different reasons and different subgroups of uh, the population. Mm. But like I was watching, I watched uh, like half a dozen episodes of this show called Gamora. Gamora. It was like a uh, mafia show with this whole Italian production where, so it just looks really beautiful mm. on some level. But anyway, beyond that, the way that like the Italian culture of men interact with each other is just so radically different, say from like Western culture. There's just, there's all kinds of touching mm. that would never go on in uh, like Latin, Western Latin hetero right? world. Latin and, country countries. Yeah. And there's also just like occupying of space mm. and it's just, just looking at it from like a touch mm. kind of social grooming mm. thing. And that's a real 
important thing. Like mm. you're saying in Aikido, it's like and there's jiu-jitsu, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. Same thing. <laughs> Edit that. What an ad. <laughs> but just the fact that like there are these multiple things going on simultaneously. You've got the like the culture of yeah. people all in the same tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the training. Mm. And then you've got other things too, but one of them is there's like this touch piece, which is, um, you know, it's the opposite of what happens in a worst case scenario when you age alone and mm. ungracefully, mm. you're just like an island mm. unto yourself, starved for touch, mm. starved for contact. Mm. And, um, you know, jujitsu is uh, like many martial arts, it's just, you know, feeding the biopsychosocial. Mm equation in a lot of different wonderful ways with um just you know being empowered and moving mm. and being physical getting exercise mm. and moving fluids it's just yeah yeah it's going upside down <laughs> yeah being you know moving all all kinds of directions yeah for sure yeah more in line with that i wanted to ask talked about gumberto um yeah you went to you know stayed with him as well in France and uh and uh like I show I show his book to everybody and I show his, his some of his, his videos as well uh for to educate people on on fascia yeah and uh <coughs> I kind of explained a little bit how he was a hand surgeon right mm-hmm. or he maybe still is yeah he's retired but um you know he still does some procedures he I watched him do one a couple mm-hmm. months ago but uh he kind of went down the he became like kind of this fascia expert, right? In the world. Or yeah. at least for me, cause I am like, I'm learning so much from him, from his, the stuff that he's put out there. Right. Well, part educator, of educator, I guess, right? Fascia educator. Most definitely. I mean, part of what you're talking about in a way is the way that the fascia research society and the fascia research Congress has mm. brought all these people together. So Jean-Claude Gimberto was, doing the work that he had been doing mm. for a long time, uh, an iconoclast, mm. a deep thinker. Mm. I mean, here's a surgeon who basically like looked at the chaos and instead of just writing it off or sweeping it under the rug, mm. like other people, he just, I don't know if he fell in love with it, but he, it definitely struck his curiosity and never went away. And he wanted to find the order in mm. the chaos. You know, and he was, you know, I think he does so many amazing things on so many different levels, but a lot of it is also shining light on living matter Mm. being the thing that we should actually focus on Mm. in terms of learning from versus dead matter. On the hand surgery, he went there with a live camera, right? Yeah. He's filming this live tissue, not a dead dead cadaver. Right. But live tissue, and it's acting in a weird and not weird, but like a different way that he thought it was supposed to act right yeah well there's found all these different things we're like what's going on here and there's there's levels of abstraction so we've gone from dead matter to living matter but now it's living matter in a slightly non uh usual context Mm. because the surgery i've cut the skin so what's going on Mm. you know has a lot of pathology Mm. associated with it however we're actually looking at the real thing instead of a dead thing Mm. so we're a lot closer mm. to what's really happening versus just continuing to build on these like antiquated concepts or just antiquated findings mm. 
based on we were just studying the wrong thing mm. in the first place. And, um, you know, Strolling Under the Skin came out and uh, it just blew my mind. It's still my favorite mm. film of his. By far, I think the... Uh, he has a lot of other books and some movies coming out, right, as well? He's got a lot of different Like he showed movies. it at the, at the fascia conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tried to find it, you know, but I don't think it's out yet, right? Um, I think it is out. You can just go to, like, his website. Oh, his website. I believe okay. is, what is it, endovivo. Endovivo, okay. Dot com. He's got a bunch of different um, videos and then his book, uh, The Architecture of Fascia. Mm. Um, Which I have, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, game changing, game changing stuff. And, um, again, like the future is all about living matter. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think Jean-Claude showed us the mystery behind Mm. the mystery. Mm. At least that's what it was for me. To understand like how things work, right? Asymmetrical. Looking at at dead tissue, but looking at. Asymmetrical, nonlinear, multiplanar, polyrhythmic, you know, the order within the chaos. Mm. And um, it's like a spider web, Mm. uh, you know, at a superficial level anyway. And, um, you know, it's like he he took us into the shadows and and showed us, you know, what's going on. Mm. And it's just, uh, it's... It's just, um, you know, light years beyond mind blowing for me. <laughs> the X, Y, and the Z axis in like three discrete, mm. potentially not interrelating uh, ways. It's just, it is the unified whole, mm. and um, you know, it's it's at once beautiful and um, you know enlightening, mm. and uh, you know just. Great information. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a he's a friend, and he's been very generous with me. I met him at the Low Back Conference here in Los Angeles. Mm. Maybe like I don't know how long ago that was 10, 15 years mm. ago, when he had just come out with Strolling Under the Skin, and um, yeah, formed a friendship. And um, yeah, it was my honor to kind of go out there and uh, have my own little version of Strolling Under the Skin. Mm. Got a bunch of footage from that. Yeah, I'd love to meet him one day. <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll be back. <laughs> to LA. <laughs> um, how can people find you? How can people find me? Well, uh, how can they find the? We talked a little bit about it, but we can yeah, my I have a private week. practice mm-hmm. uh, where I do manual therapy here in Santa, in Santa Monica, I'm California. Sure. Yeah, so my website, mm-hmm. my website is advancedrolfing.com. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy to find. I teach uh, continuing education workshops in manual therapy mm-hmm. and uh, clinical reasoning. And uh, you can find them at the same location. And then uh, the Secret Life Fascia movie uh, has its own website, the Secret Life of Fascia. And it's on Facebook page as well, right? You, just, you share some really good stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one social media thing I've, I tend to put some time into is the Facebook page, but I got a Facebook page is called the secret life of fascia as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I share a lot of interesting posts there Mm -hmm. and 
cool anatomy mm. and um, you know things related to uh, beyond fascia, mm -hmm. you know, placebo and mm -hmm. nocebo mm -hmm. and social grooming and you know the brain and uh, different kinds of just new discoveries, etc. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming up, man. It's such an honor to, <laughs> to have you here and uh, just talk about some of these things. Uh, I wish we, you know, I want to keep talking, actually. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll have to talking. do it again, you know. Well, thank uh, you. Thank it you was... for coming up uh, from Santa Monica and I'll be seeing you on the table. And uh, yeah, and uh, I think I'm going <laughs> to hate, hate to say, but <laughs> do that nose thing again. I think on my right nostril, think, it needs uh, it, you know. Uh, yeah, I feel like we're only halfway done with that also. And, and uh, it's a pleasure to work with you and be your guest. And thanks for having me out and uh, love your show. And uh, it's a real pleasure to cross pollinate with other interesting professionals, you know, um, it's just terrific. It's, you know, the kind of thing I like to do. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you, Alberto. Thank you.